I read from Thomas Watson the other day. He said, by holy musing, let us suck the sweetness out of God. As you take the scriptures and you meditate upon them, that holy musing, you, you suck the sweetness out of God. As you meditate upon the word, you see the colors and the shapes and the shadows of God. There's a story of a man who rode through the town on a horse, and when he got home, his wife said, what was in the town? What'd you see? And he said, oh, I can't, can't really remember that. I saw, I saw a couple people. There was people there. And she says, well, was there, was there a, a pharmacy there? He says, oh, you know, I, didn't, I don't know. I just, I just drove right through. Was there a town clock? I think, I think there might have been a town clock. He couldn't really remember. He just passed right through. And then there's a story of, of the painter coming and when the painter gets to the center of the city square, he sets up his artwork and he looks at every shape and every shadow and every color and he masterfully reproduces the whole scene. And when he gets home, he's, his wife says to him, what did you see? Oh, there was a little girl. She had a pink dress on and, and little earrings. And what, was there a pharmacy? Absolutely, it was blue and it was a great logo. He knew everything about the town because he set up and set his mind and his gaze upon it. He was able to pull all the shapes, all the shadows, all the colors out of the town while the other one just rode through. Some people just read the word of God. They ride through the town. Some meditate on the word, set up shop and paint it out. So I want to encourage you to meditation because by it you shall see the shapes of God. You shall see the colors of God. You will see the shadows of God, praise God. So today I want to talk to you just for a little bit about the face of God. <laughs> the face of God. <laughs> what a wonderful concept. The face of the Almighty. The face of God. You know, from cover to cover in this book, what we discover is that God is crying out looking for man. He wants to know man. He wants man to know him. He wants and desires and craves intimate, experiential relationship with them. Cover to cover, that's what this book is all about. God crying out for his man, even while we were just longing for the Lord and, and singing with our spirits. I, could, I almost felt as if I could hear God sighing out for man. Oh, like God crying, oh, longing for man. And I can hear Adam in the abyss crying out for his long lost friend that he lost by sin. They cry out to one another by Jesus. They can meet again. Praise God. So this longing for God that we see throughout the scriptures, there's different people that have really touched God. Daniel is called a man greatly loved. And Noah is called a righteous man. Abraham's called a friend of God. You have John who's called the beloved. And there's David, the man after God's own heart. But I think when it comes to wonders, the pinnacle is reached when you talk about Moses. Moses is, is extremely set apart. He's, he's, a, he's a unique figure. He's probably the most respected figure in, when it comes to the Old Testament. For by him, you, we see many things. To go through his whole life would take a long time, but you can actually sum up his whole life by Hebrews when it says he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for a season. What an incredible man this is. To value God, the Bible says that Moses endured seeing him who's unseen. Praise God. Shows us that endurance comes from that invisible sight, that sight of that one who's unseen. 
It's the eyes of the heart that gaze upon him. We also see this incredible story. You've all read it. You probably saw it in the Prince of Egypt where Moses encounters God in a bush that won't burn. And the bush that won't burn speaks to him. What in the world is going on? And as he speaks to the bush, the Bible says that he saw the bush. And then it says, when he turned aside to see, when he turned aside to see, he heard Moses, Moshe, Moshe. He heard God's voice. Why? Because he turned aside and gave attention to the presence of the Lord. Many people don't experience God's presence in their lives because they don't turn aside to give attention to his presence. He may be right there burning all along, but you won't hear your name until you turn to see. Moses turns and he sees also, we see with Moses, we've all recognized this and realized this, but to think upon it just blows the whole thing open. Moses went by himself to face Egypt. <laughs> the guy stands at the gates of Egypt by himself to face Pharaoh and his whole kingdom. What in the world? What a bold confidence in God. I will go with my staff and I will face the entire kingdom of Egypt. This man is unique. The scripture shows us that he does strange things like he takes his staff and he throws it down and it becomes a snake. This is not fiction. <laughs> I mean, this is, wait, this is nonfiction, so it's not fiction. This is not fake, this is the real thing, a real snake. He throws it down and it becomes a snake and the, the Bible says that the Egyptian Magicians were able to mock it, but his snake ate both of them. That's just incredible to me. We see him taking that same staff and he dips it into a river and the entire river turns to blood. This man, when it comes to wonders, there's nobody like Moses. Moses walks with his God. He takes his staff and he raises it up and the ocean splits in half. And two million people walk through. Two million people walk through. That's on, the Bible says, dry land. There was no puddles left. God dried the entire thing up, set up sea walls for them to walk through. That's insane. Just to even think about it is, it, it just blows your mind. It's astounding. He calls unto God and God causes bread to drop out of the sky. Even in his when he strikes a, a rock, the rock splits open. Think about this for a second. Water comes out of the rock, not to, for 50 people to drink or 500 people to drink from or 5,000 people to drink from, but for 2 million people to drink from. That's a lot of water flowing from that rock. You can almost see it like he strikes the rock and the entire earth splits open and creates a river that was never there before. This is incredible. We see that he throws the commandments of God down in frustration and they break because the people will not give God his proper place. We see that he speaks with God and his face shines with glory. The Bible says that he didn't know that his face was shining because of God speaking with him, because of God's speaking with him. His fellowship with God changed his face. I can see Jesse, King David's dad sitting down in front of a fire and all seven of David's brothers and David himself are there. And Jesse says, oh, what story shall I tell tonight? And maybe it was little King David who said, Moshe, Moshe, tell us about Moshe. 
Moses, tell us about Moses. And Jesse says, it is written that he spoke with God and his face shined. And it's made such an impression on David's heart that he writes Psalm 34, 5, they that look to him become shining. Where did he learn that from? Well, he saw it in Moses, praise God. He sees that as you look to God, become radiant. And sad at the end of his life, because he doesn't obey God fully, he's unable to enter the promised land. But I want to show you something that is absolutely incredible. Turn over to um, Exodus chapter 33. I got seven minutes. I'll get right through this. Exodus 33, listen to this. This same Moses, and this to me is the pinnacle of Moses' life. Uh, with the splitting of the sea and, the, and the, the plagues and the glorious things that we've seen through Moses' life, this to me is the pinnacle. If you look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, here it is. Moses said, I pray, show me your glory. Show me your glory. <laughs> this man has already seen so much. But he says, show me your glory. And God says, I myself will make my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But here's the thing. You can't see my face. Very interesting to me that Moses asks to see God's glory. God's glory. But God shows him his goodness. Which shows me something. The glory of God is a revelation of the fact that he's good. The fact that God is good is the essence of, or one of the wonderful parts of the fact of God's glory. God's glory is that he's good. He also shows him his name. His name is his attributes, the revealing of himself throughout history. And I mean, they say, some theologians believe that Moses, when he sees God in this passage, that it's right then that God opens up his eyes to see everything that's happened in the past. And this is how he's able to write of people like Abraham and Joseph and and things like this. But maybe what he saw was God being faithful to Joseph even when he's in chains. Maybe what he saw is that God walked with Abraham to a land that he knew not. Maybe what he saw is that Enoch actually fellowshiped with God so much that he was not. He sees something, and it's the goodness of God. He also sees his attributes, his, his character revealed in history, his graciousness, which is his nature. As Plummer writes, the nature of God is the basis of all spiritual comforts. It's his nature that is the basis for all the comforts that you experience in him. So God wants to reveal to him what he's like, and he calls himself compassionate. Man, this word, I know I've said it in here before, this word moves my heart. Compassion. That he reaches down to be with us and to love us right where we are. But the whole point of my message is is this. There once was this incredible man named Moses. But the Bible tells us something, that Moses was not able to see what? God's face. He saw aspects of God's glory, but not the fullness. Why? Because he wasn't allowed to see the face of God. Why do you think that is? Well, I believe that the answer is revealed in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Look at this. God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
You say, what is the point? The point is that God had reserved the fullness of his radiance divine to one man who would carry the fullness of deity in a human body. He couldn't show it to Moses because it needed to be filtered, if you will, by flesh. You know, when you have a camera, the light that comes in sometimes is so bright, it's just all white out. You have no information. But if you put an ND filter on there, the same amount of light is still there, but you can see its detail through it, and you see its details. Jesus is the ND filter to God so that you can see what God is fully like and his beautiful attributes and character and excellencies. You see them in the man, Christ Jesus, the fullness, the face of God. Praise God. So you say, what's, what's, what's the message? Well, Moses chose affliction. Moses chose, he chose this affliction with the people of God, but Jesus Christ took the afflictions of the people of God. Man, that moves me. This stuff like this, comparisons like this, exalt him so high and give him his proper place, praise God. Moses saw a burning bush, but Jesus himself is the smokeless flame. Moses, he, his, his, he left Midian to face Pharaoh. Jesus left heaven to destroy the devil. <laughs> it's just not even comparable. You look at Moses and he, and, and he has this snake that he throws down and his snake eats the two vipers, but Jesus became sin and swallowed both sin and death. Praise God. Moses, he dipped his staff and turned a river into blood, but Jesus' cross has covered all generations with blood. For two million people, Moses split the sea, but Jesus opened and rent the veil for humanity. Moses prayed and bread fell out of the sky. Jesus is the bread that comes down from on high. Moses sinned when he struck the rock. Jesus is the rock struck by sin. Moses veiled the fading glory, but Jesus' face shines like the sun in his full strength. Yeah, Moses threw down the decalogue and it broke, but Jesus shattered the boulder that blocked his grave. <laughs> Moses brought the law to mankind. Jesus writes it inside of mankind. Praise God. Moses realized the commandments of God, but through Christ, we have received from his fullness grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. Moses' law is cold as stone, but Jesus is the warm, living, breathing heart of flesh. Yes, Moses, he built a replica of the temple, but Jesus Christ soon one day will grab heaven and bring it here to the earth. There's no comparison. You look at Moses, and it's wonderful that he built the ark of his presence, but inside of Jesus' body, the fullness of deity was pleased to dwell. Goodness gracious. Moses couldn't enter the promised land. Jesus is the promised land. Praise God. Moses couldn't see the face of God. Jesus is the face that Moses was not allowed to see. Praise God. But he did get to see it on the mountain. It's transfiguration. God fulfilled his promise to him. He let him see it later. So my last point is this, that Moses shows us a covenant, but it's inferior to the covenant that you have. Is it okay if I read one more scripture? Then we'll be done. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter three. Listen to this. Verse six, it says this at the end. It says, he made uh, this new covenant, right? The letter of the spirit, it kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Verse seven, look at this. If the ministry of death in letters on stones came with glory, 
so that the sons of Israel could not look intently upon the face of Moses because the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, how much more does the ministry of the righteousness abound in glory? For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, how much more that which remains is glory. Then he says this, we use great boldness of speech. In other words, can I be so bold to say? What can I be so bold to say? That Moses put a veil over his face. But in verse 8, it says, But we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit, praise God. The covenant that you have is better than what Moses had because it's inducted and inaugurated by Jesus Christ, praise God. So in other words, Moses had a great, incredible life where he got to go up on the mountain and see God's face. God lives in you. We got to get a, a new understanding of the new covenant of what we have so that we might take it and run with it and enjoy it to its maximum capacity. Yes, suck the nectar out of God, which comes through the covenant, praise God. See, Moses, his glory fades. The new covenant only is increasing upon increasing. See, the, Moses, he instituted the blood of bulls and goats, but Jesus gave his own blood, the blood of God. So you say, how much better is the new covenant than the old covenant? Well, how much better is God than a goat? That's the point that we have this. What's the conclusion? Well, Jesus Christ is the face of God, and he's given himself to you. I'll close with this quote from Sarah Edwards, Jonathan Edwards' wife. She says this, she says, when I experienced him, she says, it was worth more than all the outward comforts and pleasures which I had enjoyed in my whole life put together. It was a pure delight which fed and satisfied my soul. It was pleasure without the least sting or any interruption. It was sweetness which my soul was lost in. It seemed to be all that my feeble frame could sustain, all of the fullness of joy that I had ever felt. This fullness of joy is for those who behold the face of Christ and share his love in the heavenly world. Truly, I had tasted the clusters of the heavenly Canaan, praise God. You say, Eric, what is your point today? I want to remind us that by Christ, God has given unto us something that Moses craved to see. God has given unto us something that makes what Moses had nothing in comparison to what you have. What is it? The Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ dwelling on the inside of you. Please stand to your feet with me. Can we just... Can we just turn attention to the reality of what's right here on the inside of you? Why? Because for some reason we go on and we neglect the realities that we already have. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with the world that we don't recognize that the world is blocking us from the fullness of the enjoyment of God. What God has died to give to us. The blood he spilt for us to pass into him. So let's do this. Let me pray. And we'll just see what begins to happen from there. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit.
And what we're asking today is that you would unveil our eyes to what you've given to us. Lord, may we not neglect it anymore. May we not treat it as something secondary, but Lord, may it be the new covenant and having you and longing for you, Lord. May it be the number one thing in our lives. May it just change the way we live, change what we value. May it change everything about us to long for you. Lord, that we would be like the bride in Song of Solomon who comes out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved, transformed so much that they say, who is this who comes up out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved? Lord, bring us to that place of revelation of the new covenant and the fullness that we have in the man, Christ Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. Amen. Amen.